everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 52, asterisk, for June 23rd, 2011. This week we'll be uh, talking with uh, Steve Sokol, Marketing Director of Asterisk for the Digium Corporation, and um, he's going to tell us all things, everything you could possibly want to know about Asterisk, the uh, open source uh, IP telephony system. Um, it's a, something that I'm somewhat ignorant on, so I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, Steve has to say, and uh, I hope you are too. Uh, but before we get to that, there's something very, very important <laughs> that Sean had to uh, tell you about today. Oh, I, yeah, I, I see. I wasn't sure if I was going to have to say critically, this. You, critically important. To, I thought you might relish just the words passing out of your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, I got to say I was wrong in the last episode. I'm, I'm sorry, your mic cut out. Could you say <laughs> yeah, that again? Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I went I went back and, you know, like a big boy, I confirmed that I was wrong for myself. But, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. It was last, I think it was last episode's uh, teacher tip of the week, Live Binders. And uh, Mark had said, you know, I think you did this one before. I don't know if you said that on the air or not. I don't know if that made it on the air or not, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping it did because that makes this that much more funny. I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he says, you know, I think you did this one before. And I said, no, I'm pretty sure I haven't. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, uh, it, it's kind of ironic. You know, you were setting up this new website for us and uh, we'll we'll talk more about that later on. But uh, I was going in and actually transferring over the tip of the week archive and as I'm working down the list, sure enough, there I see live binders, and it just made me sick. <laughs> so, yes, even I can make a mistake. Funny story about that. A friend of mine who is uh, a listener to the show was getting caught up on some old podcast and happened to be listening to the January show or February show where we were talking uh, about uh, virtualization in the server room. And the tech tip for that show was, uh, or the teacher tip for that show was live binders. Um, and then... He finished that episode and then immediately went to the current episode, last week's episode, and got to the end of it where I said, I think you've done this before. <laughs> so for him, it was the span of like 40 minutes. Right, yeah. And that's funny. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or embarrassing, if you're me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll uh, not punish Sean too much longer for being wrong. Uh, yes, uh, yes. Because it's so it's so natural for him. He's oh, used to I'm going to get very... you so bad the next <laughs> time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it may be a long wait. <laughs> yeah, I might have to wait a while. <laughs> I'm really not as arrogant as I pretend to be, honestly. Uh, yes, so, yes, he is. <laughs> I, I don't even have any character r- witnesses I could offer to counter that. I don't have any. I'm sorry. So I, I just want to mention um, the uh, 2011 spring and early summer sellout contest this thing just keeps going and keeps going um this is the uh, contest that i started out that again was supposed to be in may but uh like i said most people are are a couple of months behind and so i think that people actually didn't even know about it until the end until it was supposedly over so we're continuing on it's our our contest where uh, you get to uh uh, potentially win a, a free MP3 player. And uh, obviously, if you're listening to a podcast, you must be into MP3s, at least in some way. Sure. Uh, and what we have here is uh, it's a Dell DJ Diddy uh, 512 meg MP3 player. It's very small. It's uh, uh, very uh, much akin to an iPod shuffle in a lot of ways. Uh, it's it's simple. It's perfect for uh, a, a runner or a biker or somebody who wants to listen to podcasts at the gym or something like that. 
Uh, and if you break it, you won't care because it's free because I'm giving it to you. Yeah. Um, but you might ask yourself, Mark, how could I avail myself of such a wonderful prize? <laughs> and the answer is you simply go to some public forum, some uh, public uh, web page, your own blog, your Facebook page, as long as it's open to the public or uh, make a YouTube video or something creative, some way to uh, advertise the show, to, to write a review of the Tightwad Tech show, or if you prefer, of the entire Element OP network. Um just write a review, uh, come back to our forums, post a link to it, and then uh, after a set amount of time and the way things are going, it'll be uh, October 2012, uh, <laughs> when the contest closes, uh, we will uh, pick the best one, the one that we think was the, the funniest or the most creative uh, um entry and that person will win the mp3 player plus uh, a bit of tightwad tech swag from our store uh we'll get you a t-shirt so uh you post it somewhere you come back to our forum there's a forum set up uh on, at our website you put a link to it and then we let people know uh who won at some point later and hopefully it will be you yeah and there we go we're disqualified though. See, I've, I've wanted to participate in this so bad right. because I could really get crazy, but I'm going to hold off. Maybe we should, good. maybe we should create some example content. Right? Ooh, yeah. Okay. You yeah, could, like you, you could just post it in our forum. Yeah. I like that. Right. You don't have to post it anywhere else. Okay. Okay. If I were available to enter the contest, here's what I would write. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, without any further ado, let's get on uh, Mr. Steve Sokol of Asterisk. Steve, give us just an, uh, a quick uh, overview of what is Asterisk for those of us who might not know. Okay. Asterisk is a software package which turns an ordinary computer into a communication server. So it does a number of different things, uh, or you can use it for a number of different things, but the most common thing people build is a PBX, a business phone system. So what you'll do is you'll grab a computer, you'll usually install Linux, which it'll run on just about any Unix-like um, operating system, but Linux is sort of its home base. Uh, and then you'll install Asterisk, and you'll go through the process of configuring things either by editing config files, um, or you can install one of a number of different uh, graphical user interface overlay packages, which make it a little bit easier to administer, and sort of craft it into a, uh, a telephone system. So you'll configure extensions, and you'll configure trunks, and you'll basically write some rules which tell you know, the two how they interact. You can set up conference bridges, you can set up voicemail, uh, call queues if you need call queues, and then um, you basically use it by connecting it up to uh, VoIP services and devices, so you can hook up uh, VoIP phones, including soft phones, and then you can hook it up to VoIP trunking services, uh, also called SIP trunking services, which provide dial tone over the internet, or if you want to, you can install hardware cards, which lets you plug just plain old phone lines from the phone company in. Wow, that was jargon soup. Uh, <laughs> I, I can tell you've done that speech once or twice before. Uh, uh, a few times. So uh, let's break that down a little bit. Uh, it, is Asterisk, Asterisk a hardware product or a software product? It is software. Okay. And does Digium sell a hardware appliance with the software already on it? Uh, we do, but we dress it up with a bunch of other stuff so that it's actually a full unified communication system. Okay. Um, and we call it Switchbox then. 
Okay. And you mentioned some of these uh, GUIs that you can put on top of it to make so that you don't have to dig around in config files. Are those uh, open source as well? Or are those is that like a freemium model where you get the config files for free and have to pay for the other stuff? No, there's a couple of different options. The, uh, the um, totally open source, there's one called FreePBX that we include on a, a Linux distribution called Asterisk Now. And that's probably the easiest way to get started with a just very basic asterisk system. There's a couple of other people out there that do distributions. So if you ever see uh, Trixbox or Elastix, those are asterisk with a GUI overlaid on top of them. Um, and all of those, by the way, are using the free PBX GUI in one uh, incarnation or another. It's kind of a sort of tried and true solution. Um, that's still geared towards the, you know, the technical user, the engineering user. Um, if you want something that's more approachable by your average human, um, that's what we put Switchbox together for. It's really geared towards small and medium businesses. I was thinking, Mark, uh, that that kind of sounds a little bit like a webmin for uh, you know for a server management. I mean, kind of a GUI placed on top of it. So, uh, yeah, like it. That sounds really neat. Um, uh, so, give us. I, I'm just kind of curious. What's the what's the history of the company there that actually does all this? I mean, how did this all come about? It was an open source project first, and then a company kind of came in. I mean, how are you all making your money, essentially? It's kind of a funny story because the company started out not as Digium, the PBX and, and Asterisk company, but as a company called Linux Support Services, which provided Linux support services. Uh, Mark Spencer, our founder, was a college student at Auburn in the late 1990s, and he uh, discovered that there was a lot of companies that were interested in using Asterisk, or pardon me, interested in using Linux, uh, but they couldn't find tech support for it, so they were kind of shying away. So he created a, uh, a small business offering Linux support. And when it grew to a certain size, he decided he needed to have a phone system that he could use to route calls rather than just having a bunch of different phone lines, all of which rolled over. Um, so he got quotes from a number of the vendors here in Huntsville, and the quotes came in in the $100,000 range or thereabouts, and that just was way more than he had to spend. He you know, was operating basically off of uh, what he was able to bring in, plus a little bit of seed money from his family. So he, being a uh, kind of an open source guru, and having worked at Adtran, which is another company here in Huntsville that does telecom equipment, he had enough experience that he thought, eh, can't be that hard, I'll just write my own phone system. Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah, I was I, thinking that just the other day. I did that just <laughs> last weekend. I was a little bored, had a few minutes to kill, so I wrote an open source phone system. Yeah. Well, it's just lucky for us that he didn't realize what a big um, thing he was biting off, because if he had known how crazy an idea that was, he probably never would have done it. Um, but he did, and um, he used it as part of Linux support services for a little while, but after, say, six months to a year, the dot-com economy tanked, so that was one thing that sort of slowed down the Linux support business, and there was a huge amount of interest just in this uh, phone system that he released the code for. Um, and so over the course of the next couple of years, they really worked hard on uh, Asterisk, and they changed the name of the company from um, Linux support services to Digium, and they got out of the Linux support business and got into the Asterisk business. And our first business model was creating hardware that let you connect up Asterisk with the, uh, the plain old phone network from the phone company. So when you install an Asterisk system, uh, it just uses an ordinary computer, but if you ever look at the back of a computer, you'll notice that there's no jacks there that say, plug the phone line in here. 
Um, so we needed to create some hardware that made it inexpensive and easy to hook up to the phone phone network. So uh, his first business model, Mark's first business model, and Digium's first business model, was building uh, analog and digital phone interface cards, which lets you do that. Uh, it had to be done because really VoIP was in its absolute infancy back then. This was 1999 and 2000, and there was a little bit in the way of VoIP out there, but not much, and certainly nothing that you'd really want to run a business on. So in order to make this a business-grade product, we had to connect up to the PSTN, uh, the, the, which is the uh, the public phone network. Right. So POTS, point old uh, telephone system. Yep. So we did POTS, and we did uh, T1 and E1 lines. And that really exploded. There was a huge demand for this because the point, point where uh, Mark released this, if you were to buy uh, T1 interface cards, talk to a computer, they were available then, but they were five dollars to $10,000 a piece. And he started selling them at $500 a piece. So Good. it was a big deal at the time. That is. And it still is. But, uh, but time has moved on. And as... VoIP has become kind of a, you know, the new standard for connecting your phone system to the phone network or a growing uh, um, sort of percentage of systems that go out there, especially systems that are based on asterisk. Um, we have started working on other business models. So we offer support and we offer training and we also offer a prepackaged solution, the, uh, the Switchbox phone system that I mentioned a little while ago. And one of the questions that always uh, interests me about these sort of things is, um, the limitations of of the the PTSN that you that you mentioned, uh, particularly the the what nineteen fifties vintage eight bit codec that we're all forced to use. Um, if I have that's, that's the reason we're using Skype now. It sounds better than any phone call. Um, is is asterisk working uh, around that? If you if you're on a pure VoIP setup like you mentioned, uh, can you use something that sounds better than a tin can and a string? Oh, absolutely. Um, Asterisk supports the G722 codec, which is a, a wideband audio codec, which is much, much better than what you're going to get out of the uh, plain vanilla G711 codec, which is the standard one that uh, the phone network uses uh, and has since the 50s. Um, and as a matter of fact, with Asterisk 1.10, uh, the upcoming version of Asterisk, the one that's going into beta very soon, uh, we're actually expanding that even further to support a number of additional wideband codecs. And that will really make it cool because you'll be able to do um, wideband audio conferencing. So you could have 50 people all dialed in, and everybody who's on a, uh, a wideband connection will get crystal clear, perfect audio, and everybody who's on a telephone connection will still be able to participate. So, Right, because the, the reality is anytime you go across the phone network, you have to deal with that crappy old Kodak. That's just the way it is. Uh, so your software is smart enough to route the the good people, good protocols, and the bad people, bad protocols. Um, I'm curious, any plans of incorporating video in any of that? Uh, there already is at least limited support for video. We don't do much with it. We're able to, uh, to write it to the hard disk and then play it back in a limited capacity, but I don't think anybody would ever go out and make uh, use of Asterisk as their primary VCR. Um, but you can certainly set up calls between two video-enabled endpoints with it. So if you've got a, uh, a video phone that supports SIP at each station, you can set up a call and it'll work just fine. 
Okay. Uh, what handsets are recommended or most work with your thing? I know that's, that's the most expensive part of pretty much any system is the couple hundred handsets you got to put across your enterprise. Um, what, how is Asterix involved with that at all? Well, Digium, the company, has a relationship with Polycom, and they are our preferred vendor because they have probably the best SIP-compliant standards-based phone set that's out there. That said, Asterisk will actually work with any SIP-enabled endpoint. So if you've got uh, a phone from uh, Linksys, Cisco, if you've got a phone from Astra, from Grandstream, really anybody who's making a SIP-compatible phone, uh, you can hook it up to Asterisk, and that includes soft phones. So there's a, a number of phones, including some free ones that are out there that people use all the time in conjunction with Asterisk. All right, help me out. What is SIP? Oh, Session Initiation Protocol. Okay, so that's it's, just phone calls over the Internet, basically. Is what yeah, is. it's the standard that uh, a bunch of academics from Columbia University got together and put together in, I think, 1996 as a way of generically setting up and tearing down uh, media sessions. They didn't say specifically what kinds of sessions, and their idea was that it would be good for phone calls and video calls and screen sharing sessions and file sharing and just about anything else you might want to, uh, to put it to. Now, in reality, it was mostly intended as a, uh, as a means of doing phones, and that's really where the, the um, effort has been. And since that initial draft was published in uh, 1996, it's turned into thousands of pages of additional RFCs that talk about all the different you know, sub-variations and, and tricks that have to be done in order to make that work. But it is the most common protocol used today for voice over IP. Thank you. Of course, I knew all that. I just wanted to make sure our audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to make sure that we got it into the conversation. <laughs> uh, Steve, I'm kind of curious. Uh, you talked about the, uh, you know, you, there's some basic level video uh, capabilities there. And I saw something on your website uh, that kind of pointed in that direction. And it looked like it was sort of an, like you have some add-on functionality or plug-in functionality that maybe the community is uh, supporting or adding on to, adding functionality. Uh, can you talk about that uh, and just the overall community and kind of what's going on there behind the scenes that's uh, helping you know support this big uh, project? Sure. The uh, Asterisk community right now is probably, well, we estimate that there are about a million production servers out there running Asterisk today, probably a little over a million actually. Um, Asterisk is used in, I believe, 18% of new phone system deployments in the U.S. That's not just raw Asterisk, that's Asterisk wrapped up in any number of products, both uh, open source and commercial. So it's a big deal. Our user community has about 80,000 people who've actually bothered to sign up on the website. And of course, since it's an open source project, there's no obligation for anybody to actually sign up. You don't have to sign up for anything. But 80,000 people out of the, uh, the total number of people who've become fans of Asterisk have actually signed up. We've got about 900 uh, to 1,000 active developers at any one time. We've had about 9,800 people participate in the development of Asterisk over the last 12 years, uh, either writing code, submitting bug reports, being actively involved in the actual uh, development and maintenance of the product. So it's a big community, um, and we get contributions every year of thousands of lines of code where people are looking to add on some sort of functionality. So people will build a module that solves their problem, and then in the spirit of open source, they'll actually share it back with the rest of the users of Asterisk by uh, 
basically submitting it to us and we go through the process of kind of vetting it and including it in a, a released version as soon as it's stable and mature and everybody's happy with it. So, so does that mean that, uh, like a, your latest release is going to have all of that stuff there or was it, it kind of looked modular to me, like you could kind of pick and choose some things or, or is that not the case? Well, it's modular, but you get all the modules when you download it. It's not like Drupal where you've got a, a small core of, of, um, you know, the base level functionality that comes with it. And then you can go and source community modules to add on. Uh, because it's all written in C and because it's really sort of monolithic, I mean, it, it has a lot of cross connections between different modules. You can't go pulling a module from one system and loading it, you know, into a different system. You're going to have to go through the process of, you know, putting it in place, compiling it, possibly changing things depending on which version the module came from. So what we generally do with Asterisk is we ask people to, uh, to contribute the code directly in um, and it winds up incorporated into the mainline code base. And it either winds up as um, part of the standard modules that we distribute with everything or if there's some sort of a licensing issue that won't allow us to incorporate it in, into the main code base, uh, there is an add-ons uh, pool which people can optionally download uh, sort of during the process of downloading the main asterisk or installing the main asterisk. Steve, talk a little bit about uh, the hardware I would need. What kind of box would this run on? If I'm just, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, let's say I'm a Linux expert, uh, super cheap guy um, uh, who is building, you know, a, a business and have like five phone lines coming in. Do I just put a, get a box and put five modems in it? How, how do I make this thing connect to um, the public network? What was what sort of the bare hardware I would need uh, to get a small home office up and running? Well, for a small office like that, you probably need to have a computer, of course, and it'll run on just about any kind of computer you can find. We've had it installed on tiny little uh, embedded processors. Uh, there's a plug computing effort out there, and people will actually install Asterisk on that. The typical Asterisk installation is just on an ordinary um, either desktop or server computer. So for a small office, just your typical run-of-the-mill you know, Dell or HP or even white box you know, uh, computer works fine. If you need to connect it up to analog phone lines, you know, good old POTS lines from uh, the phone company, AT&T or whoever, you'll need to have a uh, card which you install in one of the PCI or PCI Express slots. And if you've got five phone lines, you'll need to have uh, an eight-port card because we sell the cards in four, eight, and 24-port uh, variations. So you'd buy a card, pop it in, and then plug the phone lines into the ports on the, the back of the card. Um, if you're going to connect up with, say, a, a VoIP service, somebody like, well, everybody's probably heard of Vonage, um, but they're, they're not necessarily the best, but there's a number of different uh, business VoIP services out there that are pretty easy to connect to Asterisk, then you don't need any additional hardware, just the computer and the, uh, the phone service, so to speak, goes in and out through the Ethernet port on the computer. Okay, so that's all... IP based and, and I don't need to do, uh, anything there at all. And so, uh, but if I did need to connect to an existing phone line, um, I go to what? Asterisk, digium.com. What's the, what's, where would I go to purchase this thing? Uh, go to www.digium.com and, uh, look on products and you'll see where we've got under products, uh, asterisk interface hardware and pick either analog or digital, depending on whether you need to hook up good old POTS lines or whether you're hooking up T1s and E1s. Okay, so I just go there, and um, I'm looking here. A four-port modular card is 
450 bucks. That's not about right. Yeah. Um, so, so I buy my thousand dollar PC, slap a $400 card in it, and now I can have a f- uh, four line PBX with, with call grouping and all that good stuff for 1500 bucks. Yep. Wow. That's a bargain. Um, yeah. and, uh, just give me, I, you, you, you don't work for them, obviously, but uh, give me a ballpark of what I would expect to pay for uh, a good handset from, say, Polycom, your preferred partner. Uh, you can go out on, you know, uh, the internet and probably source a handset that's good quality for as low as like 120 bucks, you know, okay. maybe even as low as $100 these days, uh, all the way up to, you know, for, for ordinary business phones. Three hundred and fifty bucks at the high end, and then if you want to have one of their you know, super premium uh, video media phones, it's you know twelve or thirteen hundred dollars for those. Yeah, I'm looking at a looks like a basic one, kind of maybe similar to what we've got on our desktops here for uh, about one hundred and thirty five dollars. So. Uh, not too bad. So just trying to get uh, a ballpark figure. So three grand would be a pretty good budget to, to set up a, a, a home office PBX system. Yep. Okay. Three grand, and um, uh, there's a bit of a learning curve if you're going to use raw asterisk. If you're going to use it with one of the uh, the GUI overlays, it's significantly less. Um, probably a few hours worth of you know fooling around with it. Uh, you may want to read a couple of. Uh, sort of online tutorials on setting it up, but shouldn't take you much effort to get it rolling if you're already a Linux expert. Okay. Um, I have here of all sorts of projects that you mentioned it already that include Asterisk as part of their base. In fact, uh, the guest we had on just last week were talking about a product they were working on for school attendance calls. Johnny w- wasn't here today. Uh, uh, call the office and tell us why. And, and that was based on Asterisk with some text-to-speech stuff put in. And um, Do you have any kind of like a highlight place on uh, available on the web where, you, where your company highlights sort of the best prodig- projects using Asterisk? Oh, we've probably, the easiest, the closest thing that we have to that would be the Asterisk Exchange. The Asterisk Exchange is our sort of community marketplace, and it has a combination of uh, for-pay products, hardware, um, you know, pre-built or canned solutions, and then also open source uh, products and projects that people have uh, have asked to list. So if you go there and dig around, uh, one of the ones that's really cool for your primary segment, the education world, uh, is a project called Big Blue Button. Love Big Blue Button. A- yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. You're <laughs> very familiar with it. We're trying to get them on the show, but they don't apparently have an email address. The, the, yeah. <laughs> they, I will tell. I will forward something to Fred and tell him to get a hold of you guys. Oh yes, we we. It's the one I line up all the show guests, and it is the one uh, company entity whatever uh, that I have not been able to get a hold of anybody. It's like they are trying to keep people from <laughs> from getting a hold of them. And Google, uh, Google's really hard about well, that. Yeah, that certainly, too. certainly. It's yeah. a, it's amazing that uh, people just that you'd think somebody somewhere's got a PR department we could talk to, but anyway, uh, so Big Blue Button uh, has telephony built in. Um, um, I remember because uh, we've I've set up a Big Blue Button, and so that's right. I remember all their uh, conference call or the 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 whole classroom thing is based on asterisks, right? Yeah, all all of the audio bridging and uh, audio yeah. conferencing stuff is asterisk based. That's a smarter way to say it than what I was coming up with. <laughs> um, I, Steve, I'm really curious. Uh, I, again, I saw this on the website, but uh, it looked like there were some maybe partnerships that were offering hosted services. Is that correct? 
Yeah, there are a number of companies out there that are uh, offering um, hosted versions of Asterisk. And we actually uh, had a, um, you know, you probably saw an ad up for uh, CBON Cloud Services, and they're one of several that have put together basically Asterisk in the cloud. So you pay a flat fee per month, and they'll spin up an, an instance of Asterisk running on a virtual server somewhere out in the, uh, you know, the cloud space, and you can log into it and configure it. And I think typically those uh, come with a GUI pre-installed, and they're, of course, tied into the, you know, in that case, CBON's um, VoIP trunking service. So basically your dial tone is coming from them. So they you know, give you the PBX fairly cheap uh, on a month-to-month -month basis, and then you buy minutes for them for all of your phone calls. Does that have to have, I'm trying to picture the interface on, like let's say our side, if it's being hosted, is that, do we have another box that that's coming into and then we route that out or? Nope, all you're gonna need with, uh, with a hosted asterisk system is some space on your desk for a phone. Because they'll, they'll send you phones uh, or you can get your own phones and simply uh, configure them to point to their servers. So it all goes over the Internet. So there's really no local hardware required. Nice. Yeah. Just as long as you got good bandwidth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a user here of, of one of your competitors. The school uh, where we work has used the uh, 3Com uh, uh, NBX system for uh, since before 3Com owned it, actually. We've had it that long. We, we oh, bought wow. it from NBX, and then, then it became 3Com NBX. And one of the – as I've looked at uh, – uh, migrating or making changes in the future one of the frustrations that i've uh, run into is the fact that uh, it's not a sip based system and therefore it doesn't seem to really work the handsets this hundreds of handsets we have around here that uh, don't seem to work with anything um and that's that's a little frustrating and i don't know why i'm mentioning that to you but i just thought uh, i would because it seemed appropriate at the time but uh, <laughs> no actually the real question is uh the uh the stuff that you're you're building now i assume is all standards based to keep that from happening in the future so that there's not going to be any kind of vendor lock-in um being an open source product I, I get that uh uh that somebody could take your code and, and go somewhere else but are you working with uh the industry uh you know in terms of creating standards and maintaining standards as well yeah, we, we actually have uh, one of our senior engineers, Kevin Fleming, who's our uh, director of software technologies, who is on um, at least a couple of working groups within the, uh, the um, Internet Engineering Task Force, IETF. And so he's actively involved in working out the standards for doing, you know, next generation communications and for you know, tightening up some of the specs that work with us. And Digium is very much committed to open standards. So all of our products use open standards and open interfaces. So you can connect up any SIP compatible phone. Um, Switchbox comes with a, uh, a instant messaging server, and that's all based on the XMPP or Jabber protocol. So you can bring any Jabber client you may want to connect up to it. So um, it's all part and parcel of the open world. That's that's a good thing. Yes, we like that. <laughs> uh, speaking of something similar, uh, I, I saw that there's a Skype for asterisk, but then uh, which is kind of exciting sounding. But then I also see that it's going away. You're just continuing it. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I'm limited as to what I can say about it just because of the way our contract with Skype is written. We're not allowed to, uh, to discuss um, the contract with Skype. But what I can say is that we're disappointed that they chose not to renew the contract that we worked out with them. 
we had come up with what we all, us and the engineers at uh, Skype, thought was the best possible integration between Skype and the outside world for, for doing multiple, multiple phone calls at one time, for doing presence, for doing instant messaging, for doing a, a number of services that really none of the other interfaces into Skype offer. And we had a really good price for it. Um, it's still available through, I think, uh, the 26th of July this year. And you'll be able to continue to use it for at least two years thereafter. So if you're even remotely interested in installing an asterisk-based system that connects up with, uh, with Skype, uh, go ahead and spend the 66 bucks or whatever it is and buy yourself a channel now before they're gone. Uh, Steve, you don't have to comment here. You can be totally quiet, but I bet it has something to do with a mothership that has MS on it. <laughs> what do you think, Mark? <laughs> well, yeah, the timing does seem to, to work. Right. I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, uh, training, you know, for a guy just getting into uh, this whole asterisk and, and really telephony world in general. Uh, what, what sort of uh, training could I uh, find out there on the web or do you uh, offer anything specifically? Uh, we actually have a couple of different offers. Digium does training for asterisk. And as a matter of fact, uh, that's kind of how I came into the Digium company. Um, the company I had founded a few years ago did asterisk training, and Digium decided that it wanted to uh, to basically um, be the leader in asterisk training, so they acquired us as part of the, the process of getting the training business rolling. Um, and what we offer really are two different modes of training. One is a very simple uh, package called uh, Asterisk Essentials, which is an online self-paced training class. You uh, pay $299 or something like that, I think, and you get uh, six hours of video content that you can watch as often as you like for up to six months, uh, which takes you through the entire process of installing and configuring a very basic asterisk system. But it'll get you over the key learning curve kind of components. Uh, then if you really want to do the, uh, the in-depth hands-on thing, uh, where you actually have live instructors and we'll bring in equipment and we'll you know, set up a, a whole network in a lab for you. Uh, we do uh, instructor-led classes. And so if you go to digim.com and click on the training tab, there's all sorts of information about upcoming dates. And we, we actually have a network of training uh, partners worldwide. So no matter where you are, you can probably find uh, a training program. You know, that, that just like completely explains it to me because I said, I was just thinking, he knows way too much about this to be a marketing <laughs> guy. <laughs> so that explains it, Steve. I, I totally understand now why you, you just, you know, this thing inside and out. Uh, I'm curious when you were talking about that training, uh, you know, it, it got me thinking to, to the scale of this and, you know, where you might do grassroots training, you know, a couple of end users uh, working together to figure something out and all the way up to kind of enterprise training. Uh, what's, what's the biggest deployment that you're aware of? Oh, let's see. The biggest deployment, well, there's a carrier, uh, a company called, oh, their product is called N-Switch, and it's based on Asterisk. And Alistair will kill me for not remembering the name of his company. <laughs> but they have an Asterisk cluster, which they uh, use for a combination of hosted Asterisk PBX services and uh, SIP trunking. And they have... I want to say well over 100,000 people on that cluster, maybe as many as 500,000 connected to it. 
Um, Asterisk is used uh, extensively by Yahoo for their corporate communications, and they have over 5,000 people hooked up to a network of Asterisk systems. Um, Asterisk is in use by the university system in uh, Portugal, who has basically converted the entire university system over to an Asterisk-based network, and they have hundreds, tens of thousands of phones that are registered to it. Um, the city of Amsterdam has replaced all of their proprietary phone systems with asterisk-based uh, phone systems. Uh, the French Postal Service, La Poste, uses asterisk extensively and has you know, many tens of thousands of phones who are registered to it. So there's a fair number of large-scale enterprise and government deployments. There's also a fairly good number of universities out there who have used it. Uh, the University of Pennsylvania, the um, university system of Norway has also, I believe, implemented a very large asterisk cluster. And hundreds and hundreds of small schools throughout the country are using asterisk as part of their um, solution. So. so safe to say it can pretty much cover just about anything uh, that anybody would need out there then. Sure. I mean, it's, it's certainly it's very easy to get started with a, a small um, one office system. If you're going to be clustering together, you need to know a little bit more about Linux clustering. You need to know a little bit about how uh, SIP works, and you're going to have to figure out how you want to handle tasks, what, what you want each asterisk instance to do. Uh, but you can N plus one grow it up to as big as you need. You really stumped him there, Sean. He had a hard time coming up with any examples yeah, of, yeah. of installations. That was clearly the, the hardest like, question we've asked him today. It is only an hour show, Steve. So. <laughs> what is Astrocon, Steve? Astrocon is a conference. We hold it once a year. It is the Asterisk users and um, uh, developers sort of get-together, gathering spot. Um, we have typically about 700 to 800 asterisk users, developers, fans, the occasional, you know, marketing troll, um, VCs, all kinds of odd people show up for Astrocon. Uh, it's an opportunity to get together and in real time and in real space, you know, share ideas, learn about what's new with asterisk, uh, suggest new code, you know, directions uh, to enjoy a couple of beers or more. Um, and generally to have a good time um, learning about what's new in open source communications. And uh, do you uh, attend that regularly? Uh, I do. I've, I was actually a co-founder of the original Astrocon to, uh, to kind of you know, blow my own horn for a second. And so I've been to every one of them. And I think we're coming up on the eighth one this year. And when is that? Uh, it would be the... Last week in October, I think the 25th, 26th, and 27th, if I'm remembering correctly. You got it exactly right. See, I already knew that. Yeah, Mark, Mark was testing you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know where the name came from? I'm curious. Asterisk. Asterisk. Uh, actually, the name is in reference to the wildcard character that's used uh, throughout computing generally, certainly in uh, Linux and Unix. Um, to represent anything. So if you're writing a, a regular expression or if you're, uh, you're doing a, a wildcard uh, search, you put in the asterisk character. And Mark selected that as the name because when he got started at looking, you know, what he had built, he realized it wasn't just a phone system. It could represent just about any piece or part of the communication space. So it could be a VoIP gateway, it could be a conference server, it could be voicemail, it could be IVR. It could be a call center ACD. The 
uh, you know, the possibilities are pretty much endless because it's open and you can configure it to be anything you want. So it's not just a phone system, it's the universal telephony appliance. That may be the geekiest name yet. <laughs> when your name is based on a regex, that's that's when you know you're a geek. All right, Steve, well, uh, uh, we're at the end of our questions. Do you have anything uh, that you wanted to add, anything we forgot to ask, or anything you wanted to expand on? No. If anybody out there is interested in Asterisk, of course, please go to www.asterisk.org and take a look around. We've got lots of good information there. If you hit the documentation button, that will take you to our wiki, and it's filled with information about how to actually get started building out Asterisk solutions. Um, if you're looking for Asterisk implementations, support, partners, etc., of course, thegym.com has all kinds of information there. And if you're looking for phones or other accessories to use with Asterisk, please do check out www.asteriskexchange.com. Um, if you get a chance to make it to Astrocon, we'd love to have you. Um, we're looking to, uh, to get as many people who are interested in open source communications uh, there as possible. All right, Steve, you've been uh, an excellent guest and uh, well-prepared, I will say. Uh, thank you for your, your uh, time, and uh, I guess we'll just say goodbye, and thanks for being with us. Very welcome. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a great day. Right, thank Steve. you so much, Steve. And once again, that was Steve Sokol. Marketing manager and and a very good marketing manager, I must say. Yes, I've uh, never I, I've listened to a lot of marketing guys in my time, and I've never heard one that knows the product inside and out like yeah. that. So, uh, marketing manager of asterisk asterisk from uh, the Digian Cor Corporation. <laughs> yeah, first the day whole with, asterisk thing is just right. killing you. First yeah. day with the new tongue. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in asterisk and that's, uh, why we, uh, decided to get them on the show. I, I kind of thought, Hey, Sean, let's, let's just see if we can get them on. And, and, uh, yeah. it's, it's been amazing so far. Everyone we've asked has said, okay. Uh, but, uh, that's, uh, that was a lot of new information for me that I, I didn't, I didn't really know all of it. Uh, uh, I would, I kind of wish that we hadn't gone with the three com system that I mentioned before. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but that there is this vendor lock in that's been created uh, right. ahead of time. And, and oftentimes when people talk about uh, open source, they, they have a hard time finding, um, a, a compelling reason to use it. And I would, I would say that that right there here, you know, we're 10 years out and we're forced into this system because we've already spent a whole lot of, of money on it and we can't carry that money anywhere else. Vendor lock-in, uh, really is a big deal and, you know, and open standards from the beginning is, I think, always the smartest business choice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so with that, I'll stop preaching and move on to the uh, tips of the week. And we'll begin with the uh, uh, this week's tap tick tech tech tabatu. This week's tech tip of the week. And uh, this is for this was a geeky show from beginning to end. Uh, and so I'm going to keep that thing going with APB Mon. Um, and uh, this is a tool. That is just, if you're a statistician geek, if you're a guy who just really geeks out on knowing exactly what your PC do, is doing and when, this is the tool for you. It's a Windows tool, uh, works for any Windows system, all the way back to Windows 95, including wow. the venerable Windows ME. Um, it's available in 32 and 64-bit. It's just all over the place. But it tells you um, the total number of CPUs, which 
clearly I think you would already know that. But uh, anyway, um, it tells you um, not just that, but the physical VPU uh, CPUs uh, and the cache and the amount of swap space they're using and the data rates on your local disk and how fast you're transferring data and and how fast you're transferring data across your network and the TCP IP overhead and your actual throughput and the number of GDI user objects that are in use. Just geek soup, man. Tux is drooling right now. He is. Yeah. I think he just, yeah. yeah, he's just got a little excited and had a hot flash, <laughs> and he's not really sure why. Um, if you're if you're just into that kind of stuff, it's a little widget that sits on the desktop and just tells you everything your computer is doing um, with pretty little graphs and everything. This is the tool for you. It's APBmon uh, from um, High Qualities from IARSN. Uh, you tell me how to say that. IARSN? Sure. Anyway. Um, the link is in the show notes. So there you go. All right. Well, I'll jump in here with our uh, teacher tip of the week this week. And it's a cool one. It's uh, it's not exactly anything that's uh, brand new. Uh, if you've been around for a while, you've maybe seen this. But frogguts.com. I love that name. That is an awesome name. Yes, I loved it, too. I mean, it was one of those things that, you know, as I'm browsing around the web and uh, I'm, you know, scanning for teacher tips, uh, this one stood out to me. <laughs> uh, but uh, what frogguts.com. Just one G. Froggets. Froggets. Yeah. Froggets. Yeah. I still, I like to hit the guts, but anyway. Fro, fro guts. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's a virtual dissection software and, uh, you can go over to their website and check it out. Uh, it's really pretty amazing. They have a demo on there where you can virtually dissect a bullfrog. Um, I don't know. Mark, did you do that in high school? We, I we did. had to. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I mangled mine. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so yeah, you, I mean, you get to hold the scalpel and, and everything. It's really neat. Uh, they did, did a really great job on it. Um, and this is not free, which, uh, most <gasps> of, yeah, I know most of our tips are, uh, are of that variety, but it really is affordable. Uh, and when you think about the cost that you're actually saving, uh, it's $300 per campus per school. So, uh, I, I've got to imagine that, I mean, we're a small, small high school and I would, if we were doing dissections, I'm thinking we're still you know, paying more than $300. I don't know how much a fetal pig cost, but, uh, you know. Oh, I can tell you. I found them for like three, three bucks a piece. Three bucks a piece. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've did some numbers and, uh, there's actual dissection kits. So you get the whole little pan and scalpel and pins and all that for $27. Um, these are other major suppliers. Or uh, frogs alone, you know, you get the big old bucket. That's what we had in high school. Like the the science teacher brought out the uh, the bucket. It had like five hundred frogs in it, um, and those were six bucks a frog. So you don't have to have a whole lot of students for this to actually save you quite a bit of money. If you are the I love trees and everything that breathes and lives people, uh, <laughs> then then it's great just for that reason. That's right, and uh, it doesn't stink. That's right. A good one too. Exactly. There's a lot of good reasons for this. So it's $300 per school campus, but there's even more reasons to love this. Uh, you not only get the frog, you get the starfish, the squid, the fetal pig, like you mentioned, Mark, uh, the owl pellet, a cow eye. And then they also have some pea, like, you know, green peas and, uh, and fruit fly labs, uh, where you can kind of study, uh, 
uh, uh, you know, crossbreeding and things like that. So they've got all of this, uh, and it, it all has follow up and review activities. So, uh, you know, you don't just do that. There's actually some things you can go and have some questions. And, uh, and they also have a $30 version for home use if your kid is just really and Mortez, uh, Morticia Adams. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. You just want it, you know, as a Christmas gift. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and even that, they, I mean, these guys are really generous because, uh, that $30, uh, license gives you three licenses for that for your home so you know um and then uh also if you do get the school license your teachers and your students can take it they get a copy to take home and you know uh put it on their home computers as well so uh so the licensing behind this i just thought was really great and if you take a look at what they've done uh this is not done cheaply they really did a great job on it so check it out it's Froggets.com. <laughs> That's a great name. And just be warned, if you go to the website, it's kind of creepy. There's a little frog that like crawls up the screen and it kind of actually made me almost wet myself the first time I did it. <laughs> right. But just, you know, don't worry. You don't have to bash him or anything yeah, like just that. Just so know. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty cool uh, tech tip. I mean, teacher tip. Um, so let's see. If you've got uh, 10 kids in your class, it's pretty much a break even. Right. Um, but if you have two semesters of those kids and you do it twice, you've saved money. Absolutely. The first time you use it. Right. Assuming right. you can take them to a lab. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got to have the computers available to do it or whatever. But um, or even, I guess, uh, with that licensing the way it is, you could even, yeah, send the kids home and that could be their their offline uh, task or something like that. But, uh, yeah. Very cool. That's pretty neat. And uh, with that, that uh, tells it takes us to the part where we tell you how to contact us. And uh, this is a bit new, uh, as as I hope you have all noticed by this point. Uh, see, I, the thing about podcast listeners is, statistically speaking, they're all about two months behind. Yes. So there are a whole lot of people who maybe for one reason or another have gone to our website recently and don't know why it's different because they haven't actually <laughs> listened to any of the episodes where we talk about it. Uh, but, uh, our, our, our website has changed. We've, uh, done some rebranding in the, uh, recent past. And uh, we are now no longer simply thetaiwadtech.com, but elementopi.com. And it's the elementopi, um, uh, production company is what we're calling it and the element op production company uh will be uh handling all of the podcasts now not just the taiwa tech and the reason we did this is that we have new shows in the works uh obviously we have the taiwa tech the show that you're listening to now we have everyday linux a show that we launched on this network on this show a while back uh we took a about a, a couple of months off but we've just started now um uh, re-releasing those and uh as of the date of this recording we had a new episode out today uh, and then coming by what july first of july 2011 uh, i think it's uh the 11th or the 13th somewhere okay around there. so mid-july 2011 uh we have the tightwad teacher an entire new podcast and when what that does is a couple of things one it gives us an opportunity to really focus on the classroom teacher but it frees this show up to be a little more geek heavy uh in the future uh we've always tried to keep uh one foot in uh both worlds and we'll still do that but we're now a little more free to to focus on the geek stuff because we have that whole other show for the Taiwad teacher out there and it's the same sort of stuff that we've talked about here the the clever and creative uh techniques for stretching the budget in the classroom but it'll actually have a, a a classroom uh specific presence led by an actual classroom teacher 
Right. And we've got, uh, the first episode of that is already in the can and our first guest was amazing. And, um, you know, there's a lot of amazing teachers out there. So, uh, lining up guests for that show while I don't actually perform that function for that show, uh, is, is going to be, I think, pretty easy because there's just so many great teachers out there. And then one other show that uh, is still in pre-production, uh, but we're going to have a health and fitness show from uh, uh, a friend, our co-host on the Everyday Linux podcast. If you listen to that, my friend Aaron, who in the last uh, uh, 10 months has lost 130 pounds. And uh, he's going to, we're going to have a whole podcast about uh, the concept of health and fitness. And, uh, you know, uh, the fit, healthy geek is a pretty rare thing. Yes. <laughs> Those two things often don't go together. Typically, he's either a scrawny, pasty little guy or a big, fat guy like me. Uh, th- there aren't a lot of healthy, well-rounded geeks. Or a uh, healthy Adonis like myself. Yeah, yeah something like that. Um, so uh, we thought that was a natural fit for our network, but also uh, the idea is to branch out a little bit and have a v- wide variety of shows for a wide variety of people. So the reason for uh, the change is that we have all this new variety coming at you. And uh, Leo Laporte, watch out. We'll be taking you down within the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right about the time he dies, we're going to be ready to be step right, right there. in. <laughs> so elementopie.com, E-L-E-M-E-N-T, element. Opie, O-P-I-E. For those of you who don't live in North America, you may not get the Opie reference, but uh, trust me, it's funny. So elementopie.com. Yeah, and uh, give us feedback too, right? I mean, right. Uh, well, I say we, Mark's really been wor- the one working on uh, that end of, of all of that, the website and getting all that set up and working. And uh, it's been a lot of work and, uh, you know, we go back and forth on it constantly. But uh, it'd be nice to hear some feedback, what you all think about that. So right. Steve mentioned Drupal during the course of the show, and, and that's what the new site is built on. And he's right. It is, uh, it's like, when you download Drupal, you get a workbench and a hammer and a nail. And <laughs> the rest of it's up to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so uh, find us at elementop.com. Uh, our Twitter account is still there, uh, twitter.com slash the tightwad tech. But we encourage you to now go to uh, twitter.com slash elementop and subscribe to the uh, tightwad tech lists. Uh, and what we're doing, we're changing the way we do that. Rather than having just a show uh, Twitter feed and a show Facebook feed, we're gonna we're gonna direct you to our hosts' individual feed. So it gives you an opportunity to to let the know get to know the hosts a little bit better. Uh, but also Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Taiwa tech or facebook.com com slash element OP. Um, and, uh, of course our phone number is still the same five, three, zero frugal two. So if you call that number, uh, you can leave us a voicemail and we will put you on the show. So yeah. I think that wraps it up all except for to say great show. And there we go. <laughs> Thanks for being with us folks. And for now, this is Mark signing off and Sean signing off. 